Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio. Reporting from the basement of the Dairy Civic Center, this is C.M. Alexander with the news. The estate sale of celebrated dairy author Richard Kinnell begins today following his tragic and mysterious death. Items up for auction include autographed books, the author's Audi, an antique desk, and one of the most frightening paintings I've ever seen and must have. You're listening to Dairy Public Radio. This is Dairy Public Radio. Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio, a bi-weekly Stephen King book club podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Kahn, alongside CM Alexander. Hello, everyone. And Benjamin Graham. Hey, hey, constant readers. And today, we are diving back into the short story collection, Everything's Eventual, and covering the story, The Road Virus Heads North. And we have CM leading our discussion. CM, take it away. Thanks, Josh. Something that I really like about all of the stories and Everything's Eventual is that we get a note from Stephen King at the top of all of these, mm-hmm. just describing what his his inspiration was for it. And for this one, he is explaining that he is fascinated by changing stories of changing pictures. And he mentions two other stories that he wrote about this topic, which one of them was The House on Maple Street from Nightmares and Dreamscapes, which I have not read. And the other was Rose Matter, which like, duh, but I never <laughs> thought of it as a changing picture story. But then when he says at the end, this is one of my least read novels. I was like, oh, so you guys pick up Rose Matter. <laughs> we covered it on our show. You can listen to us talk about it. Anyway, I also really love changing picture stories. Mm-hmm. The first experience I ever had with it was the movie Witches, the 1990 Angelica Houston one. Roald Dahl's Witches. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's a picture, a, a little girl gets kidnapped and probably eaten by the witches and like her spirit is put in this picture she's trapped in this picture and this little kid is watching her just in this one frame of this world grow old and die and it never left my memory and has haunted me (laughs) forever so as soon as I saw that note I was like I'm gonna love this short story (laughs) so this is a story about a writer Richard Kinnell who finds himself driving about for some inspiration after a very disappointing conference. He is our loved King stand-in. King is poking fun at himself, at his readers, at his critics. I I do like how uh, kind of self-effacing this character is. (laughs) Yeah. Because it is one of the least subtle (laughs) kings. He doesn't try to hide the fact that this is just Stephen King. But he's he, even from Derry. Yeah, I mean, but when he's like, he's doing the standard, like complaining that the critics don't like he, his crit- books are critically panned, but hugely successful. But it definitely feels more like it doesn't feel shitty. It, yeah. He's not angry. He's just yeah. having fun with it. Yeah. Kinda. Well, he's like, I, I went to do this Q&A. And they did the same thing they do every time. They said, they ask, where do you get your ideas? I don't know. Do you ever scare yourself? Yeah, sometimes. And then everything else is about how to get an agent. <laughs> That's all he ever gets asked. <laughs> I also like he references one critic said that he writes like Jeffrey Dahmer cooks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is pretty great. <laughs> so Richard ends up in the small town of Rosewood, Massachusetts at a garage sale 
Let's talk about him browsing the goods and interacting with Judy Dimmitt, the woman who is running this garage sale, and this thing that catches his eye. (laughs) I love that a character trait is just loving to stop at yard sales to look (laughs) through the old books that are there. Yeah, Uh, Same. It's fantastic. I love, Mm -hmm. do you guys ever just like spend a... Uh, a lazy summer weekend just cruising around to yard sales. A hundred percent. You guys are going to give me shit. I prefer estate sales. Dude, estate sales are just... Well, this is yard, kind of an estate sale. Estate kind sales of. are yard sales with... Uh, Death. Delusions of grandeur. <laughs> <laughs> he goes up and he's going to start perusing and he notices some like weird kitschy stuff and uh, sees that there's this woman who uh, has a TV taken all the way outside and plugged in with soap (laughs) operas playing. And he is noticing the second she looks at him, he's like, oh, that's a fan. I can Mm -hmm. tell. (laughs) (laughs) And he is looking around for books and then he sees this framed watercolor painting. I freaking love that. Oh, he's at a garage sale in a small town and he's trying to. He's at a yard sale. There. Whatever. <laughs> oh my god, Josh. You, no. p- you pedantic no. fuck. <laughs> the rest of this episode is me and Ben. <laughs> but I love that he's trying to feign like casualness. He doesn't want to run over to it. It's like, who cares? Just run over to right. it and grab it. So he finds this painting and we're going to get a lot of descriptions of it. <laughs> the first description of it is he sees... This young man sitting behind the wheel of some sort of muscle car. The top is down. He is crossing a bridge at sunset. Beautiful colors in the sky. His left arm is cocked on the door. His right wrist is draped very comfortably over the wheel. And he has blonde hair, low forehead. And he's grinning. And he has fangs. <laughs> That's pretty cool. He, he thinks that maybe they had been filed to a point like a cannibal's. Yeah, not like he's a vampire, which was creepy, creepier. That note is the start of my favorite thing about this story. The amount of things that there is no evidence for that he just intuits about this person. And it's right every single time. Does Richard remind you of Best New Horror? The the main guy, just the way... The way he sees everything and the way he experiences horror. The the way he can see the story happening in front of him as it's unfolding. Yes, which is more terrifying because it's like, oh, shit, he has a really good imagination (laughs) for what's about to happen. It made me think of Joe Hill's short story a lot while I was reading this. I also like that he he has this moment where he's thinking, like, he has fans who send him creepy shit all the time. And Mm. most of it, he just tosses out but there are some things that are just speak to him that are much more unique and he tends to keep those and he's thinking it's not that being a horror writer attracts me to this weird stuff it is that i am attracted to this weird stuff that i am a horror writer and i just thought that was really cool i i do love that and i love because i i also i I, there's just that type of person Mm -hmm. that just gravitates towards weirdness and those are my favorite kind of people (laughs) and i I just love the 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 example he gives is someone had sent him a ceramic sculpture of a fridge 
with a horrible monkey head coming out of it. And he was like, yeah, this gets me. And I'm like, I dig that (laughs) so much. It's almost like he prefers things that might not even really be good, but are sincere. Mm Mm-hmm. A weird local plug for our podcast, but it reminded me a lot of the stuff we saw in Abernathy's when we were filming our Dairy Public Radio Mm -hmm. short. They have so much of that cool, like, just off the beaten path of what you'd find in a normal place. And you're like, God, I want that. (laughs) Ben, you even bought something when we filmed that. I I bought a few things (laughs) from Abernathy's. So Richard is about to grab this painting, and he's startled by Judy. And while it's definitely not described this way... I thought it was really sweet that she recognizes who he is and she goes and she puts on some lipstick (laughs) before she comes back out and approaches him. She just wants to look her best. I know. And I love it. She's she's not described kindly. She's supposed to be this annoying fan. But I tried really to look at her in a different light. And I thought that was cute. (laughs) So he's asking her about this painting. And she's like, well, it was $75. I'll give it to you for 45 because nobody wants it because it's horrifying but of course you like it and he's like yep of course I do he's kind of just playing to it he's doing a good job being a good um you know good for his fans and this is where we find out who Judy is because she's not the person who owns this stuff and where this painting actually came from which is a very unexpected and fascinating story and deeply scary Absolutely. <laughs> if someone, if I had seen this painting and for some reason wanted it, <laughs> and then someone was like, "Oh yeah, you want that? It's from the from the old Jenkins <laughs> from the Marston case. House." Yeah, the old- yeah, yeah, you'd be like, "No, never I'd be mind. like, "No, thank you," because he finds out that uh, the, this woman is holding this yard sale on behalf of her neighbors who had moved after their son committed suicide. Bobby Hastings. Bobby Hastings was this young man in his, what, 20s, early 20s, uh, who was an artist and he had trouble with drugs and just mental health issues. And he would paint these horrible, apparently, like, we are, this is the only one that we see. But he, he oh, had... I like that Judy's like, the others were worse. They had sex stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he had burned all of his artwork except for this painting and then killed himself, leaving a note that said, I can't stand what's happening to me. Mm-hmm. That's horrifying on so many levels. It is. And Richard is like, sweet. <laughs> Do you take checks? <laughs> The the hoops that he goes through to, <laughs> to pay with the check because oh she has gosh. a handwritten mm-hmm. sign that says, all sales and cash, all sales are final. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I don't know, I'm not supposed to take a check. And makes him <laughs> write the check and then she asks for his license to write the <laughs> his license number on the back. Like he's not going to be good for it. Mm-hmm. I also like that she he notices her comparing his signature on his oh. check to his license like she's inspecting it to make sure it matches yeah and she's like amazed that it does <laughs> judy is a gem you guys yeah. <laughs> and she gets a an autograph for her daughter ruby or robin or something robin yeah robin who is a fan too and that's just sweet and he he very kindly is like sure here you go and he has the standard thing that he writes to his fans so transaction is complete richard puts this painting in his trunk and he and the painting head north 
Before he did that, though, he noticed that the painting had a title. Yeah, he he's holding it up to Judy, to facing her, and that's when he sees on the back there's a, a piece of tape that's covering something, and he peels it back, and it's the title, The Road Virus Heads North is the name of this painting. Which is such an unnerving collection of words. It is so metal. Yeah. It, it absolutely <laughs> fucking Just is. think about those words together. It, it's such, uh, I mean, I feel like, I, I don't always read um, short story collections in order. I, w- if, if there's a title of a short story that really sticks out to me, I'm like, I have to read that first. Yeah. And I believe The Road Virus Heads North was definitely one of the first ones I read in this collection because I was like, I got to know what that means. This is a collection of words that when I read, I am jealous that I did not put together myself. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> We're going to meet another character in this little short, though. The lovely and amazing Aunt Trudy. Richard's aunt, he is going to stop by her house on his way home because he's passing through. He's going to stop by to use the restroom, but actually what he's stopping by for is all the juicy family <laughs> gossip. Yeah, he needs all Let's... that hot goss. <laughs> Everybody has that family member, though, that is so in tune with everyone else's mm-hmm. business, knows everything, <laughs> and is not afraid to pass on the stories. Which sometimes that person is beloved and sometimes they're not. <laughs> Trudy, yes. Trudy is the former. I thought that this next scene was very terrifying because you you get the sense that Trudy is the person in the family who connects with Richard and understands him. And that's probably not something he gets a lot just because of his interests. And when she comes outside and he pops the trunk, she has a reaction that he does not anticipate. That is not typical of how she would respond to something weird. He's like, hey, look what I found. Yeah, he is shocked because she is freaked out by it she's disgusted by it immediately she actually advises him to throw it in the river (laughs) just be rid of it she says the words this painting does what you only play at that is a very strong statement burn (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) aunt trudy always a critic (laughs) so he he's baffled by this and he turns the painting over to have a look because he's like Yeah, you know, he's thinking, okay, Trudy, it is very unsettling, but it's not the creepiest thing I've ever seen. And that's when he notices that uh, this painting is not quite the same. It's different because the guy is, like, looking more directly. And more menacing, like his features look more monstrous, almost. And uh, what's more is his arm has shifted, Mm -hmm. and you can now see a tattoo, or at least a part of a tattoo on his forearm that you couldn't see before, that says, Death Before. And Dishonor uh, would be the, yeah. He uh, (laughs) assumes that it says Dishonor, because this is the kind of person that would have that tattoo. And he thinks, because he has that tattoo, on the other arm he has the Ace of Spades. But he just that's another one of those intuiting he'll he will never see it. But I bet you it is there. (laughs) He this is why this story is so fascinating because of the picture that Richard paints of what's going on with this picture. (laughs) I didn't mean that (laughs) to happen. Anyway, so Richard and Trudy visit a while and she updates him on all the family gossip. And we also find out here it's not super important, but it's mentioned a couple times. So I want to mention it. Richard is divorced, similar to our our other character, for which this story reminds me, to a a nice lady who 
I hope this isn't offensive. I hope this is the right word people prefer. She's a believer. I, I yeah. Someone who I think it's pronounced believer. <laughs> believer. <laughs> Some someone who's like super into you know aliens and um she writes these blogs about mysticism and stuff and mm. sounds like newsletters. Like, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but too early for blogs. Oh yeah. Well, I just have newsletters to about abductions <laughs> and people surviving encounters with cryptids and things like yeah. that. Yeah. She sounds like a fun lady. Maybe they were just a poor match. So Richard is going to head off. It's very gentle for a character we never meet Mm -hmm. and has no stakes (laughs) in the story, CM. It's very kind of you. I've been watching a lot of the X-Files, so I'm a little more like, hmm. Maybe they're onto something. Your empathy is real high right now. I'm super empathetic today. (laughs) (laughs) So this is really cool. Aunt Trudy gives us some wicked foreshadowing. She tells Richard to get going and comments, I wouldn't want that guy riding behind me, not even in the trunk. Super (laughs) ominous. Let's talk about what happens when Richard gets a little ways down the road and he starts thinking about what he saw in that painting. And I I think he could have excused the subtle facial changes, but he's someone who notices things. So he would have noticed, he thinks he would have noticed if there was a tattoo in that painting. Yeah, that's why he feels compelled to stop at this rest stop and He pulls over and he sits there without going to the trunk for a little bit, having this conversation in his head of, okay, maybe I was just really enamored with what I thought I saw. Maybe I just overlooked these details. There's no way it's changed. It can't possibly be changed. I'm going to prove it. I'm going to go look at it right now. It's going to be exactly the same. And the heebie-jeebies that Trudy passed on to me will go away Mm -hmm. once I see it. And the exact opposite happens because now it's even more different. Now, now the Tobin Bridge is gone. The look on the driver's face is completely insane, and it is directly, he can tell it's directly looking into him. And it looks like he is in a spot near Rosewood. Mm, Yes. Instead of the bridge. And it's much darker out. I also like how he scares a lady and her puppies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he he must look real crazy right now. <laughs> Staring at this painting like it's the worst thing he's ever seen. So yeah, I I was really proud of Richard when he's like, fuck this. <laughs> and he throws it down the ravine and, and watches it fall and the glass shatter and everything. And he's like, cool, all right, solved that problem. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that that's what you do. Like, good move. Well, he talks about like what characters would do every once in a while. He chimes yeah. in with what characters in his stories would do or what they would say. And he's like, yeah, I'm not going to be an idiot. I'm just going to ditch this thing. And Trudy said, throw it in the river. It's probably close enough. <laughs> yeah, the river is like 20 miles. Yeah, back. so far. So Richard is scared and he he's describing his fear as true fear, not something that you write about people feeling, but something. And I love this. Something that feels like bleeding to death in your own head. So fucking dark. Yeah. <laughs> also metal. Yeah. <laughs> Just, he, the fact that he is so ready to say, I'm going to get home. I'm going to take this memory, wall it off and put it somewhere in the back of my mind and it'll <laughs> never come up again. That is how I'm going to yep. deal with this <laughs> insane thing. That's going in the vault. <laughs> <laughs> so Richard is making his way home. Let's talk about what happens when he gets inside his house. Because <laughs> very unexpected. <laughs> It seems right for being in Derry, though. You know, it seems uh, like right happenings for Derry. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. 
uh, he he comes home and he's like mindlessly going through, you know, just putting his stuff away. And he turns into what his den or something. Mm-hmm. And it is hanging where his book awards were uh, when he left. And he immediately is terrified. I, I couldn't feel the fear I was supposed to for him in this moment because I was so caught up on the fact that it didn't just show up at his house. It hung itself up. <laughs> and took the place of something else. Yeah. I want to see the scene where this happens. There's <laughs> like, what is going on? How considerate. It was, it's so creepy that it happened, but then this is the most horrifying image that it has had since it started. All, all mm. of this has been travel and being a bit unnerving. This is the first truly dark version of this painting. And it has changed yet again. It is now the yard sale, and it is lit by the TV still being on and the taillights of the car. And he sees Judy's body laying... God, I can't remember how it's written, but it says that her body is laying down, but not all of it. And I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) Because her head is on the ironing board across the yard. Looking in like looking towards him in the painting which he he gets more of what happened on the news because it has made the news it's been long enough that this a a neighbor heard the tv being so loud kind of late at night and came over to ask her to turn it down and found this so this is already blasting across everything and that witness also heard a uh a muscle car uh driving down the street not long before that. And it's also at this point that because we see the back of the car, we see that the back of the car has the road virus written on the back. And he's like, of course, it's the name of the car and not the name of the guy. But this kind of guy, it's probably one in the same. Greasers, oh, man. Fu- I, mean, I was just about to say, fucking greasers. They're always out to get us. Uh, this short story could replace any of the short stories about cars and greasers we had to read in other stories. (laughs) (laughs) And I'd be so happy. (laughs) All right. So he has a very strong reaction to this because he realizes that, oh my God, this thing is stopping where I stopped. And I stopped at my beloved Aunt Trudy's house. The way he sees it when he looks at the painting very recently after it's changed again, it's back on the road. And the way he begs in his head for it to take the coast road. That's all he's thinking is, don't take the road that I took. I want a sign that you're not going anywhere near Wells, which is the town that that Trudy's in. And he's faced with, do I call her right now or do I try to do something about this? And he does um, what I I feel is the right choice here. Yes. Something, if he hadn't done it, I would have been screaming at him (laughs) to do and irritated that he didn't. Do one of you want to talk about? Sure. He he decides to burn it, but his fireplace is still uh, blocked off right now because it's nice weather out. Mm -hmm. So he uh, cracks it open, pours lighter fluid in the holes in the glass and then drops a match on it and stomps it out so it doesn't catch everything else on fire. <laughs> but he's just like, yeah, that's how you kill things in, in bad movies. I did it in one of my stories. Mm-hmm. I You burn it, and that's how it's gone. And then as soon as he does that, he calls Aunt Trudy. And she doesn't answer. And this was very tense. <laughs> <laughs> it is, uh, oh, when well, he leaves that message and 
I love that he thinks he's pretty (laughs) calm about it. Like, there's no way she'll think anything's up. I'm just going to leave a message. Because the answering machine says, "Uh, I know you're not supposed to do this because of robbers. I love her But I'm going to a movie. (laughs) If you do break into my house, don't take my good china. I love it. (laughs) I'm going to be that old lady. (laughs) Don't take my china pigs. That's what it was. (laughs) Uh, And it is... It is after 11 o'clock at night that she eventually calls it back. And she is like, what's wrong? You you should have heard your voice. It was fucking insane. It is so amazing how she anticipates exactly why he's upset. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there's not a doubt in her head. She's immediately like, oh, it's that painting. Obviously. <laughs> uh, it, it did a haunting on you. What's up? Yeah. And, and she pegs that he thought she was in danger, too. Mm-hmm. And so he's like... I burned it. And she's like, oh, you feel better now? He's like, yeah, I do. Pretty tired, though. So he gets in the shower. I really, really thought that Trudy was going to be killed. I absolutely yeah. thought so. Because we also, we didn't mention it, but the the last version of the painting before he burns it is the exit to Wells, mm-hmm. that off-ramp. So he knows, if nothing else, <laughs> dude drove by. And we get, while he's in the shower... <laughs> kind of falls asleep and we get a little mini king dream sequence which is amazing it's the best judy's butt head stitched back on her body and she's just doing a news report is that yeah yeah she's she's talking directly to him as though it's uh she's the host of a news show the the judy dimmit show and is and reveals to him why his plan is doesn't gonna work right ben do you want to give us the big reveal that rocked my fucking brain i I love this twist because it is it's so obvious when they reveal it that you're like oh oh yeah Yeah. obviously because she says like fire already didn't work Mm -hmm. a fire (laughs) the the guy that painted this painting he already tried that because remember he burned all of his paintings but this one you think he really let when when you're killing yourself and you're burning all your possessions? Do you really leave out one painting? Yeah, like oh, this one was really good. Actually, yeah, <laughs> no, he burned it and it came back. It's so aggressively obvious, and it rocked me to my core. I also completely missed it. Oh, I love it. it. It's such a good and the way it's revealed because he's like, yeah, he basically falls asleep in the shower Mm -hmm. and he's having this dream and it's like not really clicking. And he's just like, as uh, he's standing in the shower, he starts hearing a noise. (laughs) And at first he's like, it has to be the shower. It's just the shower. But when he turns it off, he can hear a glass pack muffler coming in the distance. And when he leaves the shower in a towel, walks into his bedroom, he's not really surprised to see the painting hanging over his bed. And this is the, this version of the painting, all of these have been scary. But (laughs) as this one is described, I realized how hard I would lose my fucking mind. That trope of the thing that you can't destroy that keeps coming back is just innately terrifying to yeah. me the the hopelessness of being fi- i mean the movie it follows yeah, like you oh, guys yeah. it it really gets to me on a yes. very primal level you can't do anything and it doesn't follow this typical rules if you're in mm-hmm. a horror movie and you do things right you'll survive nah 
Yeah, it, it is. It is a, a relentless, inevitable, and it's really fucking scary. Mm-hmm. And even more scary that uh, it is a painting of the front of his own house with the the driver's side door open. He sees that his own front door is open, and there's a long shadow. Uh, in, in his in the downstairs of his house and he has this moment where he realizes in all his panic he did not lock his door he did not reset his security alarm and then immediately after says no that wouldn't have stopped him anyway <laughs> just resigns himself because it, it's so overwhelming the the hunting feeling that he has mm-hmm. also this is made 10 times scarier to me by the fact that dude is naked he's yeah, so so extra vulnerable <laughs> You can't fight when you're naked. No, only well, only Eddie Hugo Dean can. can. Oh, <laughs> oh no, that's that's the best advice for if somebody tries to get in a fist fight with you. <laughs> Start taking off all your clothes, you man. Know, a tiny dick can scare a big dude. If you're a man, that's good advice. Yeah. If you're a woman, you have to go <laughs> for don't that follow that don't advice. Don't take your clothes off. <laughs> so because he's naked and wet, he when he tries to like run somewhere, he ends up. This is how this ends, and it blew my mm-hmm. mind. He ends up slipping and falling really hard on his back, and that's when his bedroom door opens. And it, it ends with him looking up into the painting and seeing and seeing the passenger side seat of the car is full of blood. And the final line of the book is, I think I'm going outside now. <laughs> God damn. Fucking crazy. <laughs> it it's baffling the amount of resigned horror I read that last thought in. Uh, it, it this is one of a few of King's short stories that I, I've talked about before. I might have even mentioned this is one of them that legitimately scared the shit out of me the first yeah. time I read it. The slow build, the the pacing is perfect, I think. Mm-hmm. Because the this build that just gradually gets worse and and the yeah like you said Josh the the resigned fatalistic like ending is such a kick in the teeth. Well, uh, when you break it down, what happens? This writer stops at a garage sale, buys a creepy painting, shows his aunt. She says it sucks. He throws it away. He comes home. It's at his house, and then it kills him. And it, and it sounds... It sounds so basic, <laughs> and it, it's interesting. I would love to actually talk to King about this, because he, like, famously is, you know, of the mindset that it's sometimes a story is just a story, right? Mm-hmm. And this is very much that. Like, it's just a dude buys a haunted painting and gets killed for it. Mm-hmm. But the way I read and consume any kind of media, I'm constantly like, what is this story trying to tell me? Yeah. And this story, it doesn't give, I don't know what, there. there's no moral to this story. There's no, he is not being punished for something, a lesson or a point. It is just a man Making a choice making that a ends up bad. Random, <laughs> completely random choice that any of us could make any day and paying the ultimate prize for Which is it. Just why this is a fucking horror story. Like truly. <laughs> so there's something else that I think might I don't know if, if it is any 
part of this world building or if I'm reaching too far with this. So please let me know what you think. Uh, we talked about how he's describing things that he hasn't seen about this guy. But in this final piece, when he's in his bedroom, he hears the sound of the the guy coming up upstairs and he knows he's wearing motorcycle boots mm-hmm. because these people always do. He hears the sound and he everything we haven't seen, he builds more and more. So by the time we we never get him describing the man through his own eyes, right. mm-hmm. we only get these descriptions, but it fully fills out what this character is. Like I can genuinely picture this mm. killer so easily because of these descriptions. And I feel like that's not just illustrating how powerful his imagination is mm-hmm. because he's piecing all this together, but because he's right all the time, there's this weird haunted destiny. Mm-hmm. Like this isn't something that happened to him. This was something that was always going to happen to him. The uh, Bobby Hastings, whatever was happening to him like this was this painting he made was always going to be made because it was always going to be the thing that killed this guy and somewhere his whole haunted life he pulled these details from the world around him and made a living telling these stories and in the end something that would be one of his stories is what got him that's really interesting it, as you were talking it was making me think because I thought you were going to maybe go in this direction, that because he is so easily able to pull in these details to complete the picture, that he is kind of the one steering the car, if you will. Mm-hmm. Like if he he is making this come to life. Yeah, there there's a, a line that says something along the lines of like, maybe this is happening Maybe this would not have happened to someone that wasn't as open to this happening yeah. as he was. So, yeah, it's like his just being reactive to the supernatural uh, invited it into mm-hmm. existence, I guess. Is that reflective of his, uh, I know it seems offhanded, but the uh, admitting he doesn't know where any of his stories come from? because That openness? Uh, I... I don't know. I think all of this is a little stretchy. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I like it. I think we're on a cool path. <laughs> <laughs> it probably is just a story about being a story, but it is fun to, to grab speculate. these. Yeah. yeah, grab these weird one line of dialogue here and be like, yeah, what can we pull from that? That's what's charming about stories that are like that because we are allowed to do this. We are allowed to have all these different ideas. And no, I I love that idea that you pose, Josh. That's. It enhances it in a cool way. <laughs> and other people can have different perspectives of why this might be happening or what it means. Yeah. That's part of the reason why I like this story mm-hmm. so much is we're given very little. We're mm-hmm. we're given what he sees and we are not explained why or why yeah. this is happening. It is just a terrible thing that is happening. And <laughs> we are just as scared about it as this guy is. So let's let's read the story and then because there is an adaptation of this, we are going to watch that and then come back and talk about the adaptation. All right. But first, yeah, I let's let's give this bad boy some chambray shirts. All right. Uh, I'm gonna go first. Uh, because uh, man, the short stories, I've said it a thousand times. I don't know that there's gonna be a short story that doesn't feel perfect to me because it's everything you love about King and it but such a uh, 
a tight and horrifying timeline. Uh, the fact that these paintings are going to be burned in my brain for a while <laughs> and the ominous last line of this story is so haunting five out of five blue chambray shirts the it's this is such a quick easily consumable story and it, it is just like a slap in the face it, it is yeah. <laughs> um really deeply scary i think it, mm-hmm. it is a a legitimately upsetting story and i don't say that about a lot of stuff i feel so i'm also giving it five out of five blue chambray shirts i can't really add anything useful to what either of you said so i'll just say i really enjoyed it and i'm also going to give it five out of five blue chambray shirts All right, now we have covered the short story, which normally we don't do this. Normally when we cover something, we watch it and read it before we talk about it. But a story like this, I'm really excited that we did it this way. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we've taken that break. We've watched the adaptation. And CM's going to take back over as we discuss this adaptation. Yeah, basically it's the same thing. All right, that's (laughs) it for this episode of Dairy Public Radio. (laughs) All right, so this is a three-disc set. And it, at least this one, I don't know how long the series went on, but this it's, is a, It was just a one-off okay. run. Uh, there wasn't a second season. 2006. Yes. We Nightmares and Dreamscapes. Dealing with a early 2000s flick. <laughs> um, and it shows. <laughs> only with the crazy, zoomy, any outy camera work and the weird score. But otherwise, this is a pretty exciting adaptation. So let's get right into it. It opens with Richard's colon. <laughs> we don't know Whoa. that right away <laughs> yeah it, it really uh much like uh, the movie uncut gems sets the tone of stress and despair uh up <laughs> up inside the main character's butt <laughs> <laughs> well this is fascinating because we speculated very hard on deeper meaning and so did they because yeah there's definitely more to this we mm. We open with a shot of his inside his colon, and then we go to the convention. We have all the lines that the characters deliver, just showing his annoyance about being asked the same thing over and over again. So it's really cool to see that play. Out. It's very one for one. I liked it. Yeah, it's so great with short stories. Like we've seen that a lot with the dollar babies that we've seen mm-hmm. and discussed the amount that they take word for word. And sometimes the changes are great, but sometimes just seeing that word for word pop up <laughs> feels really good, especially when it's <laughs> when you've just read the <laughs> thing that yeah. it's now. Yeah. <laughs> so we are with Richard, played by Tom Berenger from The Substitute, and he's talking to his doctor and there is something there and they've got to do more tests and the biopsy and he has a family history of colon cancer. So this Adaptation definitely incorporates his illness into what's going on with this painting. Yeah, it, it becomes him running from the b- representation of his own mortality. Yeah, mm-hmm. he he even like starts saying things like he says something like "I'll die when I'm ready to die" kind of yeah. a thing, putting a lot of uh, fatalistic statements into the world. Mm-hmm. As he, because he, to be fair, he doesn't even know that something is wrong. He just knows the results are atypical and they need further testing. But he has decided, <laughs> I'm 100% dying. I'm 100% I have cancer. Yeah, his mom died at the age of 44. Mm. 
And we pretty much follow kind of beat for beat the story with him going to the garage sale, sees the painting. What did you guys think? I, I realized the moment before it reveals it to us, he's walking towards it. I'm like, oh, yeah, they had to have like a painting. I wonder what it's going to look like, you know, because in my head I'm picturing something very specific. How did you guys react to the painting? I think the original version of the painting of the road virus heads north in this is really good. Mm -hmm. It's very unnerving. It's more or less exactly what I Mm -hmm. imagine. The headlights glow off of the canvas is really cool. It's really cool. Um, I felt that every (laughs) subsequent version of the painting was less good, though. (laughs) Is that just me? No, I I feel like, except for one of, like, I think the second to last one, I really, Mm. really liked. But the rest of them, yeah, because it's, I think it's because there's so much subtlety in that first one. Mm -hmm. And the other ones, like, they have to be bigger changes so that if you're not paying a lot of close attention, you notice something's different, even if you're just casually watching, I guess. Right. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest change, other than this being related to his possible illness is I'm so glad I mentioned her <laughs> when we talked about <laughs> right. it a minute ago. Sally is really in this and what a treat she is. What a what a decision to pad the runtime <laughs> to add to this character no one cares about. I, I, I liked it. <laughs> I was excited. I wish they would have done more, honestly. <laughs> yeah. I wish because you're right, she's just seems like a perfectly nice lady. <laughs> She is I, as chill as he is tightly wound. Yeah. And she, in the short story, you know, it very, it paints her in a certain light. Mm-hmm. Like with the the alien uh, newsletters, it makes you think, oh, this is... Kook. Uh, yeah, exactly. And in this, she like gives him some crystals and, says, <laughs> and does a healing, but that's different. Like, I don't think that is exactly grounds for, you know, a separation. It seems (laughs) exhausting to be with someone like that. You're not wrong. That's coming from me, and I'm a lot. If that's, oh my god, if that's not what you're into, I think it's, it's interesting because he's very upset when he comes to her he just like almost killed a bunch of construction workers <laughs> God, no kidding. he's very distracted by the the changing painting he tried to get rid of it it showed up again and she's just like we need to cleanse your spirit and then she does and while he is meditating i guess she just throws the painting away which is a good friend you'd be like and yeah. this fucker's gone but he has a wicked ass dream during during his meditation that i want to talk about I kind of hated this. You hated the dream? Yeah. Only because, so in the dream, the road virus, he's standing in front of the road virus and the driver's behind the wheel and he gets into the car and has this conversation and drops all subtext (laughs) and basically says, you are the cancer that's in me. You're the representation of my cancer. Don't kill me or you'll die too because you're the cancer in me. Real quick. Your cancer. Yeah, verbatim. And, and then <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm reading from the script. And then he reaches for the door, the handle and is locked inside the car. And then there's a jump scare moment where suddenly the guy's in the back seat and chokes him and he wakes up. 
No, I agree with you. I I liked the style of the dream sequence. Yes, Mm because it it was very like moody and dark. I thought Mm -hmm. they did did a good job filming it. But the 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 killer, the the road virus man. I think the costuming was super effective. Like he looked Mm -hmm. very creepy, and he was shot in a way there. They never fully show his face, which is perfect. Yeah, he was he was definitely giving me blonde Randall Flag. Yeah, vibes. Interesting that you mentioned that because somebody noted that about the story. Like, this guy reminds me, is this a flag thing? And they were talking about the story, not the adaptation. Mm-hmm. So that must be something shared by other people that clearly came out in creating this Maybe, short, yeah. too. But I agree. It's one of those. It's better that we only really see this monster clearly in the painting because it's less scary in yeah. person. So yeah. having that. How he's he's hidden in shadows and stuff is very effective. And what you can see is just not quite right. Mm. Yeah. Oh, and Sally is here because she's watching Richard's dog because Richard has a dog. It's a Stephen King adaptation. Ben, you <laughs> right. said it. You guys yeah, like I know said, where this is going. It, it can't be King without a dog <laughs> violence. <laughs> and we we pretty much continue to follow the story. He gets home, and we have everything play out with him taking a shower. We have another dream sequence. And and he calls Trudy. Well, in see now the problem is the only thing I can think about is how great that shower was because <laughs> Josh was so excited that he had a shower he could sit down in. Oh, that's the dream. It really is. Oh, I don't ever want to sit down in the shower. <laughs> All right. Is that weird? Probably not. I'm willing to believe I'm the weird one in in this. We're the majority in studio, but I think we're the minority in the world. <laughs> Yeah, he has another crazy shower dream. I guess not a cr- another crazy shower dream. I don't know. Maybe he has a lot of crazy <laughs> shower dreams. He has another crazy dream while in the shower. Manages to get dressed. Thank very, God. Very comforting yeah. moment for all of us. And then sees what's happening on the news. Turns around and there's the painting again. Fucking awesome. Now that he has seen that this is actually happening. Uh, also, I want to jump back. Judy's death scene is pretty great also when she when he kills her in the garage very cool the the pan up to the from the still twitching body to the head on the ironing yeah oh sorry we didn't mention either when he's when she's telling him the story when he buys the painting we see him imagining the story so we see it play out which is Neat. Yeah, really it's like a recurring that. thing that yeah. he'll be imagining something or something, and it is shown in the reflection of his glasses. Mm-hmm. That's such a cool way to represent that imagination. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love it. So we this plays out a little bit different. We have a chase scene through the house that's supposed to be very tense, I assume. It, <laughs> it definitely makes the show five minutes longer. <laughs> That house is badass, That's though. That's a sweet house, yeah. But yeah, <laughs> the th- this is the the painting that is uh, my favorite, my second favorite, my first being the original, mm. is that shot of the back of the car mm. and the headlights casting the long shadow. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, it's very, very cool, and it's so fucking creepy. What do you guys make of him trying to give the painting back? I thought that was pretty smart. He throws it down the stairs and he's like, here, take it. Like, yeah. it, like that's why it's there. <laughs> well, he's tried everything else. He's yeah. tried destroying it and getting rid of it. None of that works. So mm-hmm. when he did that, I was like, that's a 
That's a really good idea. I never would have thought of <laughs> offering it back, I guess. Man, how fucked would it have been if it had just picked up the plane, painting and left? That would have been a very creepy ending also. Yeah, because I, like just me in life, you go the rest of your life walking into rooms being like, is it here? Yeah. Uh, oh, or oh, any fuck. painting you see. Yeah. <laughs> You'd get rid of every painting you in your house. You'd only keep the one with the dogs playing poker because everybody loves dogs. That's true. <laughs> and he needs another dog now. Oh every God, time you're... you look at it, they're playing poker closer and closer to your house. <laughs> <laughs> we have gone off the rails. <laughs> All right. We have the, the final line that we get in the book. He, The guy is stand. the virus is standing in the doorway silhouetted. And he gestures to the car. I'm glad he doesn't say anything else. <sighs> I, I didn't want yeah. him revealed as much as they did even. And Richard's like, looks like I'm going outside and stands up. So willingly goes outside. <sighs> yeah, it, yeah, it's like a metaphor for him accepting death, I guess. But also Just go to the doctor he said he'll die when he's ready. And so he's getting up and walking towards his death. He's ready on, on his own terms. Yeah, I guess. sure. I, uh, I do love that in his attempts to get away that he ends up falling down the stairs because he trips on a Stephen King book. Oh, that yeah. Was that was pretty <laughs> fucking funny. That was fun. Um, I I didn't like it. I didn't like that end part. Mm-hmm. I, I liked it because the image you're left with of him naked on the floor mm-hmm. in the most vulnerable position he could be in. Not knowing what's coming. Yeah, exactly. Well, like, we don't see what's coming. Uh, yeah, yeah, we, in the story, we never see the the guy and I that unimagined mm. horror is so much better than it also just it feels it's hard to say something doesn't feel in character for a character that's not a character. <laughs> but I nothing that we've seen about how this mysterious man handles himself tells me that that weird stand and gesture grunt. He just like yeah, he holds the knife out and then hold turns it around and points it back at the car like get gesturing, in. yeah, get in. It it is a product of its time, not For just sure. in the way it was shot, but very much handing everything to yeah. the audience, I think. And I think that if this was made now, we wouldn't see him. They would have left that kind of ambiguous at the end. It would have been him hearing him come up the stairs or breaking through the door and that would have been yeah it. yeah you with film it's so hard to get away with a sharp end cut yeah. credits whereas in a story it's so much easier uh so i imagine that being a, a real challenge when you adapt the mm-hmm. story is how do you make the ending feel that same satisfying horror i understand why they changed that yeah but all right let's uh just Go around and kind of talk about how we thought this stood up to the short story, and then we can rate this one. I I really enjoyed the painting. I <laughs> I, I know that this, some of them got a little cheesy and some of them got a little weird, uh, but I just I really loved seeing that real progression mm-hmm. and getting to know this character a little bit more. Yeah, overall, I really liked it. the The ending just really kind of lost it for me. The camera choices, the weird. Sh- frantic zooms and all that just kind of lost it for me though so i'm gonna go ahead and give this three out of five blue chambray shirts it was, it was all right i i feel the same way i i actually remember when this show premiered uh back in 2006 i was my it was my senior year in high school and i was like in the midst of my like deepest king obsession 
And I remember this being announced and being like really excited and talking about it a lot with my English teacher, who <laughs> I, I used to geek out with about Stephen King. And I remember watching it and really liking it, but it being very forgettable in the way that a lot of like, uh, what channel was this on? TNT. TNT. Yeah, like basic cable shows from that time were. Yeah. Um, but overall, I I did like it. It it kept my attention for an hour, which after a long day of recording, it does not always happen. <laughs> and I think it's it's a fun watch, worth checking out if you have a half an hour, forty five minutes, whatever, however long it is. So I, I would say three out of five blue chambray shirts. I don't know why, but my heart is in such a tender place right now. <laughs> I love Sally. And I love, oh my God. I love that she had such a big role in this. She's she's what my spirit has needed after just some difficult months. You, you needed a healing. I I did. <laughs> Sally healed me. It's, I I know it's weird. I can't help it. Uh-huh. I also the camera work and the score brought me away from it a little bit. And I think that ruins some tension and pacing of the story just because I was like, Jesus Christ, this is making me a little bit sick. I'm not going to hold that against it, though, because I think it is a product of its time, unfortunately, in that regard. So I feel the exact same way about it. You guys do. I think it's a very well done, faithful adaptation with interesting changes that still kind of honor the story in a cool way. But I'm going to give it four out of five blue chambray shirts. Fair enough. That's it for this episode of Dairy Public Radio. As always, thank you for listening. Join us next time where we will be covering The Mist through Chapter 6. For Joshua Kahn and Benjamin Graham, I'm CM Alexander reminding you, no more yard sales. No more yard sales ever. Hey everyone, CM Alexander here. Thank you for listening to The Road Virus Heads North. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Dairy Public Radio or Twitter at Dairy Public, and you can send us an email at dairypublicradio at gmail.com. Check out our Etsy store for merchandise and our Patreon page for bonus episodes and early releases. That's all for now, listeners. Goodbye. <laughs>